Brother Charles was uh, the old the old uh, cassette tapes back in the day used to say his his father was a Southern Baptist pastor and he was a Southern Baptist pastor, uh, and uh, he pastored that church <clears throat> for the first seven year. After seven years, he was pastoring Baby Heights Baptist Church. He received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brother Ken Summerall led him astray, and. Uh, he became a tongue talker, and as I said Friday night, everything after that went real smooth. Uh, and then he pastored that church for another seven years and then went on to other things. And since that time, uh, when I was a teenager, we recognized Brother Charles and a lot of brothers as leaders in the charismatic movement back in those days. And, uh, and uh, you know, years and years, here we are later. Brother Charles uh, founded a church in Mobile. It's called Covenant Church of Mobile today. And uh, uh, during that, during the ministry, during that, the, the New Wine Magazine had really kind of come to its end. Some of you in the room remember New Wine Magazine, and uh, and so the consultant said to Brother Charles, "You might want to do something else." And so. Uh, what was born out of that was at that time called Hosanna Music and ultimately became Integrity Music and, of course, ultimately became Integrity Media, born out of the church there in Mobile. And as I said Friday night, until Michael Coleman sold that ministry to David C. Cook Music in Colorado Springs, Brother Charles still served on the board. Today he travels, he still travels a lot for such a young man uh, around the world. And, uh, and he pastors men uh, literally around the world, and, and a lot of us here in the states. Uh, he's uh, he's a deep well, and uh, we are always uh, honored, and 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 it's our pleasure when he comes to share the word with us. I'm honored to call him my pastor. Welcome, the man of God, Brother Charles Simpson. Thank you. I appreciate the kind remarks. My mother would have loved to hear them. Aren't you glad to have friends that don't tell the whole truth, just the good parts? I want to just say before uh, I begin that I'm glad to have friends here, the Hoffmans and the Nelsons. We appreciate you all being with us. Why don't you stand up? Go ahead, stand up. I've known them a long time. That's, everything is pre- preceded by a long time. Uh, and glad to have Spencer uh, Herndon here. He's my daughter-in-law's nephew. And um, so appreciate all of you being here. And uh, we're just grateful to God for his goodness. I'd like you to pray with me, if you would. Father, we're, we're thankful. We're thankful about things we don't even understand or, or know. We just know that you are good and you've blessed us. You're our Father in heaven. Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us today not just to speak from memory, but from revelation. I pray the presence of the Holy Spirit would be with each person here. I pray that the atmosphere will be absolutely clear between us and you, and that we will hear things or hear something that will make our future better. We trust you. Thank you for those that gave us this holy book. Those that died to give us this freedom, help us not to forget. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 20th chapter. Pastor mentioned cassettes. I still say cassette. Actually, uh, I was on reel to reel. <laughs> I feel like a reel-to-reel man in a digital world. Anyway, thank God. <laughs> I appreciate your prayers because uh, 
I always feel like I need them. But this, uh, I haven't preached before. And a young graduate was asked to preach. He said, well, I feel qualified. I've studied. I'm ready to talk about whatever you'd like. Go ahead and suggest. The guy said, how about five minutes? Anyway, um, it's going to take a little longer, but if you get through before I do, feel free. This is really part of a series. Um, I spoke Friday night on uh, yesterday or where yesterday meets tomorrow. And we did. We talked from the book of Hebrews, the third chapter, and also other places in Hebrews where it says today, and it's in a capital T, capital T today. And it's God's today. It's not our today, it's his today. That is, it's a, it's an allotment of time that he gives you to obey. Um, and what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us is that you have the moments, you have the time, you have the opportunity to make the right decision. And you can't assume that it's just always going to be the right time. Because it isn't. We have limited opportunities. We have great opportunities. But there is a time in God's time. How many of you understand we don't get saved on our time. We get saved on his time. He draws us. Of course, we live in a world that's very human-centered. But the truth is reality is very God-centered. And he is God, and he actually believes it. So he doesn't feel like, you know, something God never said to me, I'm sorry I made you wait. Anyway, just for the record, I just, uh, <laughs> he has made me wait. I never felt like he was sorry. And sometimes I should have waited. <laughs> That's not my nature. Anyway, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. I want to talk about anticipating the future. So we talked about today and want to talk about anticipating. I want to read from Matthew 20, and I'll start in verse 20 from the New King James. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish or what do you want? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. <laughs> So he said to them, you shall, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom the Father, or for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers not because they were spiritual, I don't think. I think it's because they had that in mind themselves. Anyway, but Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it, it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, there are volumes here that, uh, of course, we can't explore. What I want to focus on is... Her question. 
Um, bear in mind that Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry on earth. And they've been with him three and a half years, roughly. And they've heard all of his teaching. They heard the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most seminal um, messages anywhere, probably the most. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we ought to all study it. Um, and with all of that, she asked this question. Uh, Jesus, uh, I'd like you to do something for me. Sounds like the beginning of the average prayer. Well, I, I didn't mean to say that. Anyway, um, and he said, what do you want? Say it with me. What do you want? How many of you understand when God says, what do you want? You need to be careful. What do you want? You know, we tell him pretty often what we want. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm getting bogged down here. I, uh, <laughs> what do you want? She said, well, <laughs> since you asked, I'd like for my two sons, one to sit on the right and the other sit on the left when you come into your kingdom. And um, so Jesus said, that's not mine to give. That's an interesting, that's an interesting response. Everybody wants to know the future. And everybody wants to have a place in it. <laughs> Nobody wants to be told, you're not going to be there. <laughs> you, you, we all want, and, and the human nature wants some recognition. Um, you're in a city where recognition is a big deal, a lot of celebrities. And um, there's something about... <laughs> One minister was the best friend of my father many years ago in Waco, Texas. He'd get up on Monday morning. He had a big church. He said, my flesh craves advertising. Um, of course, he was kidding, I guess. But the truth is the flesh does and desire recognition, and we desire applause. Uh, Rob Shearer said something to me yesterday. He quoted an old rabbinical saying he said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> I like that saying. Um, tell him your plans. Well, she told God her plan. And, of course, you really can't blame her. And I, I'm not trying to be critical of her because we've all done it in one form or another. And what I want to do is talk about how to approach the future, and you, you pray God will help me because there's some things here. Um, well, whenever I preach on something, I always have to live it, and so anyway, it makes me nervous. I just preach on Jesus loves you, but um, <laughs> people like to know the future. If if you had a famous prophet here today and you advertised it all around the community, this place would fill up. Because people want to know the future. Now, there are some real prophets, by the way. And then there's some not-so-real prophets. And uh, you have to decide who you believe. But people love. I, I remember years ago, it's 1962, 63, I preached a year out of Revelation, six months out of Daniel, three months out of Ezekiel, before I realized that I really didn't understand what I was talking about. And... The church filled up on Sunday night. People bring their Bible. They bring their commentaries. I mean, we'd have more people on Sunday night sometime than Sunday morning because people were wanting to get through the book of Revelation and find out what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I respect that. We, we all want to know the future. The problem is we trust what we think about the future. And that's not necessarily the real future. We can prepare, and this is the tricky part for me, we can plan and we can prepare 
But we better not trust what we've planned and prepared. Um, it's, it's bad to be wrong about a scenario that you've invested everything in. And, uh, that, that happens. And so when, when Jesus said, what do you want? She was thinking, and I'll touch on this a little more. She was thinking about a particular scenario where Jesus would bring the physical kingdom of David into being. Now, that was a strong idea among Jews because the prophets talked about the Messiah being the son of David. And it was a popular belief, and they believed he, Jesus was the Messiah, so he was going to reign like David. And, and it was logical for her to say, well, my sons have been with you, and um, I'd like them to sit, one on the right and one on the left. She didn't see the real conditions in Israel. She saw her idea. Uh, I mentioned the other night, Carl Jung said, People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. And this idea had her. It wasn't just that she was ambitious for her sons. It was that she didn't see what was going on around her. What was going on was the leadership was blind. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. She didn't see the ditch. She saw her sons in a particular place. Jesus said the temple would be destroyed. That's like saying the nation would be destroyed. And indeed it was. There was a lot of political unrest. There were guys who were leading rebellions. One of them was let go. When Jesus was crucified, he himself should have been crucified. Uh, there were people that were, were, were leading rebellions, some that, that claimed to be messiahs. Um, there was a tremendous mistrust in institutions. People had lost their faith. A lot of them had lost their faith in the priest and the temple and, and they quit going to the, uh, pilgrimages. There was a lot of class and racial division going on. Um, there was prejudice against the Galileans. There were a lot of things happening. You remember Jesus telling the story about the good Samaritan? Of course, Jews didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. Things were very unstable. She didn't see. She, maybe that all flowed into her idea of the future. Um, I don't know what the future holds. Uh, don't come to hear me preach to tell you what's going to happen in the future. God didn't call me to do that. What I'm concerned about is what I do today. And if the future is going to be good for us, we need to figure out what we do today. And uh, how many of you got someplace and realized you made some bad decisions that got you there? Now, what do you want? That's a hard question. What do we want? What do you want out of tomorrow? What do we want? And we, 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 a lot of times we don't really have time to think about that because we're probably the most stressed uh, nation in the world. We're blessed uh, more than maybe any nation, but we're we're living at a fast pace, and a lot of a lot of rates are showing us that our lives are not necessarily that good. Um, suicide among young people is increasing dramatically. So, what do you want? What do we want? Well, <clears throat> she wanted a place in the future that wasn't going to be there the way she thought it was going to be. There are three problems and probably more with her question. One is she made some assumptions that weren't true that didn't hold. 
uh, it's bad when your assumptions fall apart. And uh, I don't know what happened to her or what she was thinking when Jesus was nailed up on the cross. Another thing was she had ambition beyond the will of God. And a third thing, she was disrupting the fellowship of the disciples with her question. Now, there probably you can add to the list of her mistakes. And again, I'm not saying this to be critical. I'm just I'm sharing how when you answer that question, what the consequences are a lot of times and what God sees. Now, um, Jesus didn't Jesus didn't talk ugly to her. He um, he just said, um, that's not mine to give. He said, that's reserved for the Father. He said the same thing over in Acts, the first chapter, when they said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, nobody knows except the Father. Now, Jesus had emptied himself to become man. Uh, he made himself of no reputation and so forth, Philippians 2. But I, I, th- I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't know. If he had read some of our books, he would have had a lot better idea. <laughs> he, he, he said, in fact, there he said, what you do is uh, get baptized in the Spirit and go into all the world and preach the gospel. You do your job. So uh, he says, I don't know. When Jesus says, in essence, I don't know, that's a clue for us. Uh, so her question made some assumptions that weren't going to be true. Need to ask ourselves what assumptions about the future we're making that may not be true. We need to ask ourselves, are we being motivated for what we want out of personal ambition? And are we moving in the future without regard to the body of Christ or the rest of the believers? Is it just about me or us or is it about all of us? Now, given that we really don't know, uh, I'm assuming that you believe we don't know. Um, I'm, <laughs> I gotta be careful. Cause some people think they do know. I assume they're not here this morning, but, uh, some people think they do know. They heard on, on the TV, uh, or somewhere. Um, <clears throat> And, and, and anyway, <laughs> the problem with biblical prophecies are they don't have dates on them. They're true, but you don't know if you're going to be here to see it or not. Now, I grew up in an atmosphere where the rapture was going to happen just any minute. And um, we had an escapist mindset. The problem with that was we weren't really prepared to deal, do our job in the world. We were going to get out of here, give it to the devil. Well, here we are. There went that idea. Now we've got to live with what we didn't do. How many of you know ideas are important? Whatever idea you get, it'll get you if you're not careful. That is, it'll control. It's the steering wheel of your brain and your body and your family and your friends. So assuming that um, you don't know, even though we'd like to know, maybe, <laughs> if we really knew, maybe we wouldn't like to know. I don't know. <laughs> it's better not to know sometime. Anyway, so what do we do? Somebody gave my wife and I a bicycle built for two in 1974, I believe. And we rode around on that thing, and uh, <clears throat> one day she said, you know, I know you're having fun, and I enjoy this, but my 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 handlebars don't steer. <laughs> she said, all I do is pedal. I never thought about that. 
she brought it to my attention. Let me say, in the spiritual world, your handlebars don't steer. All you do is pedal. We have no control over what's going to You may have a degree of control on what's going to happen in your life by decisions you make. But, but the future, the future is not in our control. And, you know, there have been generations that lived through some terrible times, survived, became heroes. God delivered like Noah and his family. And there have been lots of those in history where God delivered people. But how do we approach it? I'm being as honest as I know how. Um, you know, if, if, I, if I said I had a four-step plan to guarantee your future and advertise it, people would want the plan. I don't. The worship songs couldn't have been better this morning. They were right on subject. I love great is thy faithfulness. How do we navigate the unknown? Well, that's, uh, that's called faith. Faith is not knowing. Faith is trusting. If you don't know the future, you remember Abraham, the Bible says, he left for a place, God told him to go to a place that he knew not. I mean, you know, we're all going to a place we know not. Now, I, I, I believe God wants to accomplish something. I believe God wants to accomplish telling us that our foundation is in trusting him, not in figuring it all out. Now, you know... It's great to understand some things, especially if it's come by revelation. There's an old saying, life is lived forward, but only understood backwards. It's true. You don't understand what's going to happen when you do something, but after it happens, you can look back and say, oh, I wish I had known that. <laughs> um we live forward. We have to. I don't want to use the term in faith, which would be true, but in trust. I like the word trust because I'm in his hands. And faith might imply that I've got a scenario I'm believing for. I don't. I've got a Lord I believe in. Now, I could get what I want, perhaps, but I, it would prove to be not what I want, probably. I live my life in trust. I haven't always, and I don't always. That's what I want to do. When I was young... <clears throat> A young minister, and before the ministry, I um, i don't know how to characterize myself. None of us do. I, I took a personality test and failed. Um, <clears throat> they said I had low self-esteem, and that made me arrogant. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was never patient, never. And um, I'm sure that I embarrassed uh, myself not realizing it. Um, when my wife and I went to seminary together, I went with my hand in the air. Carolyn was a sweet, wonderful girl. And uh, I was a challenge anybody, anytime type person. And uh, I look back and, and thank God. for. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? It's a wonder he didn't slap us sometimes. Um, yeah. 
My dad said to me one time, said, son, leave some problems for God to solve. I think he was hinting at something. I didn't know exactly what it was. How many of you understand we rush in where angels fear to trod? Anybody here ever make a mistake because you move too quick? I, I, I'm dealing with some of my own issues here. Um, the future, in a sense, is not in our hands. Now, I'm, I'm struggling at this point because I think that we should do some planning. I think we should do some preparation. But we should never become anxious. There's a thin line there. I think sometimes I prepare for tomorrow in obedience to God. I think he says to. In fact, he has parables. Jesus gave parables about uh, about preparation. But he says in the Sermon on the Mount more than once, he says, but don't be anxious for tomorrow sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. I mean, if you understand, we've, we've got to strike a balance here. We can plan for the future, but we shouldn't worry about the future. I mean, if you understand, anxiety is a big deal in our time. You listen to the news for five minutes, you start to get, anyway, it's, Everything's geared to strike us emotionally. And it's easy for us to be caught up in the culture around us that is going fast and faster. And we have to, we have to keep our excitement level down. When dealing with the future for a lot of different reasons. Let me just try to wrap this up. The future and our position in the future is in God's hands. Our future and our position in the future is in God's hands. Can you say that with me? Our future and our position in the future is in God's hands. Now, to me, that's not a lack of faith about the future. To me, that's putting my faith in God and not in what I know. What I know about the things of God is very, very small. It's not how much I know about God. It's how well I know God through Jesus Christ. So, that's one way to deal with the future. Jesus said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Total surrender. So, if that's the case, stay close to God. He knows the future. And if you're close to him, he can tell us what we can do to get ready for the future, but he probably won't tell you all about the future. He has told some people. The second way to deal with it is this. The realization that you have to trust God should bring humility into your life. The realization that you have to trust God should bring humility into our lives. It's when we get to thinking that we know things that we become arrogant and are not uh, in a condition to receive revelation. Um, humility. Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself. Son of God that we worship, he humbled himself. Humility is the basis for repentance. Repentance is the basis for positive change. All right. So, it should bring humility. Not presumption. Presumption brings pride. A third thing is, we need to understand that transitions are necessary. And I'll talk more about this Friday night. Transitions 
are necessary. Let's say it. Transitions. Transition is like between two places or a big change. Um, the night between days. Transitions are necessary. You can't get in the new thing until you get out of the old thing. You can't think, you can't think promised land until you quit thinking Egypt. And the problem is we're trained to think like Egypt and we're trying to take that into the promised land. And so transitions are necessary where we're tested until the circumstances sweat all that last thinking out of us. It's necessary. We can't, we can't move into something new and wonderful till we get, quit thinking the way we think now. And it may be good what you're thinking now. And it worked where you are now. But in the future, it may not work. The future. I, I mentioned you, and I have a friend that has a corporation called MindShift, and 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 he's a consultant with Amazon and the biggest companies in the country. And they work on how to help executives and business leaders change their thinking so that they can succeed in the world to come. Uh, you know that a lot of Fortune 500 companies of 50 years ago don't exist anymore. Sears is gone. And a lot of churches are going to be gone. Because we, we're thinking analog in a digital world. It, it, this is not going to be business as usual. It isn't condemning where we are it's just that we're on a journey god doesn't want to leave you where you are thinking like you are he wants to prepare you for what he knows is coming and if we listen to him we can be ready and be overcomers but if we don't well so the realization brings humility Transitions are necessary. If we're going to get here, we've got to leave here. Now, I love churches. I'm not being negative. I mean, there's all kind of churches. Thank God for them. I wouldn't want to live in the community without a church. But churches, like a lot of people do, them are hypnotic. They just come, sit, eyes glazed over. Why do you sleep all the time, the guy, preacher asked the guy, why do you sleep in church? He said, I trust you. <laughs> Pastor told the usher, wake him up. He said, you wake him up, you put him to sleep. Deacon went to sleep. Preacher was waxing eloquent. Preaching loud. People saying amen and lights went out. All of a sudden the lights went out Sunday night. And it got deathly quiet. And the guy woke up sitting on the second row. This really happened. Woke up and it was dark. He said, I'll be blank. They went off and left me. <laughs> And then the lights came on. Now, a lot of people can do church in their sleep. They do it. Now, we. It, this is not church. This is preparation for what's coming, and we don't even know what that is. Are you there? How many of you understand <clears throat> that the Jews weren't ready for 70 A.D.? Jesus tried to tell them, and we could spend time we don't have, but they didn't listen. They weren't ready, and they were scattered. 
to the ends of the earth. Abraham had to leave Ur. Israel had to leave Egypt. And you've got to leave where you are to get where God wants you to be. You say, well, I like where I am. Well, sure. I'm glad you do. But when the situation changes, you got to make some changes. And it's good if you make them before the situation changes. Now, <clears throat> what do you want? Let me just make a couple more suggestions. Another way to face the future is better together. Let's say it. Better together. Look, how many of you know that when testing time comes, we're better off if we got a lot of friends? Storms. Where the pastor grew up. Terrible, terrible hurricane. You know, when the rebuilding comes, they didn't ask each other a bunch of theological questions. I don't know if I agree with you. You're premillennialist, and I'm not. You know, they helped each other. And people even came from somewhere else. If we could remember, even though we're not in trouble, we're better together, you're really better prepared for trouble. The Bible says edify one another. When you edify uh, other Christians, you're investing in people that uh, are going to help you. Thank God for my friends. When you invest in your children, when you invest in your parents, it's not just a duty, it's not just a law. I've said before, and I believe the baby you hold now will one day hold you. My grandfather lived with his son and daughter-in-law. My dad lived with me and my wife, and I'm living with my son and his wife. And um, didn't plan it that way. But thank God, I, you know, I treated Stephen wonderfully. I wish I'd even treated him better. <laughs> I'm sorry that I spanked you. Anyway, now, the... Uh, how many of you understand what you're doing now is an investment later on? You know, a lot of kids don't get this. They don't get it. A lot of parents don't get it. It's unfortunate. What about the future? Well, it helps if you got friends. I go to nursing homes and visit people. Um. It's wonderful when they have a good family. It's sad when they don't. The future is better together. Something else I would... <laughs> I don't preach. Anyway, I preach the everlasting gospel. The, the, another thing I would suggest for the future is stay focused on the one you trust. Stay focused. I have ADD. Focus is hard. Um, I didn't know I had ADD. I just thought it was I was the way I am. And one day my wife read an article and she said, you have that. And I read the article and I said, yeah, I do. Um, and it's bad. It's hard. When you say focus to me, that's painful. Um, I got, I, I'm, while I'm preaching... I'm thinking about what's going on out there somewhere if I'm not careful. It's hard to focus. I mean, I can get distracted far easier than anybody you know. Um, and the enemy is grabbing for your attention. He wants your attention. Because whatever you're thinking about is where you're going to end up. So focus. Ask God to help you to focus on Him because He's your guide. We went in Carlsbad cabins one time out west, and they had a guide, and they'd take you on a, a narrow path down into the cave, and <clears throat> and they'd get you down there, and then they'd turn off the lights. 
and you're right on the edge of a gorge underground. You don't want to mess around with your life in the dark without your guide. This is, this is not, this is not just about, it's your duty to focus on the Holy Spirit. It's your duty to be filled with the Spirit. That's not what it's about. It's your salvation and opportunity walking in the dark to have the light of God there with you. Focus on Him. Focus on what He's telling you to do. Focus on your responsibility, not somebody else's. Because He's going to call you accountable. And by the way, be a servant. Jesus said the greatest will be the servant of all. It's not about who runs who, who rules who. It's about what you can do for other people. Jesus said, I was, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was in prison and you visited me. They said, when did we do that? He said, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Jesus was standing behind the guy. I only saw the guy. Jesus was standing behind the lady. I only saw the lady. But he said, you did it unto me. I was in a black church, African-American church in the north in near Pittsburgh. First time there. I went later several times. They do church. And they had a guy following me around everywhere I went. He had a beautiful suit and handkerchief in his pocket and tie. I mean, big smile. And I, I didn't know why he was following me. I, I didn't have that experience. And um, they had me preaching during Sunday school. They preached me so hard, I perspired. They didn't have air conditioning. I mean, my wet my clothes down. Went in the pastor's office to towel off, and there the guy is. And I'm starting to pull off my jacket. He said, you can't do that. I thought, man, I'm, I've messed up here somewhere. And he said, that's my job. He said, I can't preach. He said, but I can, I can, I can serve. He said, Jesus sent you. He said, if he had come, man, I would, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. But he sent you. And he said, I'm going to take care of you. I mean, he preached me the best sermon on serving I ever heard while he was telling me he couldn't preach. He took my coat off. He took my shirt off. He put the towel on me. And, and he stepped back at the end. He said, you look nice. His name was Brother Love. You know, it's not natural to want to be a servant. But Jesus, the Bible says, became a servant of all. Humbled himself. The way in the kingdom, the way down is the way up. The way up is the way down. Whatever the future holds, these are some of the best ways to be ready for it. If we realize it's in God's hands, not ours. And when it happens, nobody's going to say, that's just the way I knew it was going to be. <laughs> they won't. Humility and service will serve us well in the future. 
Set your mind on things which are above where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's not just to be religious. It's to be ready. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for your word and and for the the example you've given us. It's so contrary to the to the world in which we live. Help us to to not lose sight of the example in the midst of a hurried, anxious, busy culture. Help us to keep our bearings, our focus, our confidence, our trust. I thank you. Bible says, fret not over the evildoers. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord God, help us to, to, to enjoy the day more. To be in the day and not in yesterday or not in tomorrow, but now. And our fellowship with you and with those we love. Forgive us, Father, for missed opportunities. If you're here and you say, Brother Charles, I need to bring my life into the now more. It could be you're too much in yesterday or too much in tomorrow. But you say, God God is speaking to me about today. Would you just lift your hand if God is saying something to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, that's my that's that's my prayer. Help me to live today. Give me this day my daily bread. Father, we pray for all those that have this uh, struggle and thank God that you take communion with people that make mistakes. We appreciate it, Lord. But don't let us live in the dark. I pray, help us to see what we need to see. Not out of curiosity, but out of preparation. Bless this house. Thank you for Brother Larry and Ann. I ask in Jesus' name to bless this house. Amen.